Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. up everybody welcome into locked on tigers i'm your host chris castellani it is wednesday december 9th 2020 and the winter meetings being conducted via zoom are in full swing and thankfully it's given us some news to discuss uh, pretty much all of it that i'm going to talk about today concerns the american league central and anything that concerns the american league central does it admittedly also concern the detroit tigers the chicago white Sox made two fairly substantial moves, if not substantial, at least interesting moves, newsworthy moves, and the Kansas City Royals signed a first baseman to a two-year deal. Who was that first baseman? How does it impact the Tigers? We're going to talk about that in segment number two, but we're going to start off by talking about the moves made by the Chicago White Sox. This news broke, I believe it may have been Ken Rosenthal, who was the first to report this, that on Monday night, the White Sox acquired Lance Lynn from the Texas Rangers in exchange for right-hander Dane Dunning and lefty Avery Weems. This from the official press release by the Chicago White Sox. Lynn, 33, finished 6th in the American League Cy Young voting last season with 22 points after going 6-3 and three with a 3-3-2 ERA, 31 earned runs over 84 innings pitched, and 89 strikeouts over 13 starts with the Rangers. Future teammates Dallas Keuchel, 46 points, and Lucas Giolito, 18 points, were 5th and 7th respectively in the 2020 AL Cy Young voting. I'll start by talking about what this means for the Texas Rangers. Look, I've been critical of how they went about things. I thought that they had they had gold with the kind of performances that they got from Lance Lynn and Mike Miner in 2019, and they ended up kind of turning it into tin cans. Now, Lance Lynn was great. A season ago, and obviously they just traded him. Mike Miner, not so great, and they didn't they didn't trade him when his stock was highest. And the return for him was fairly underwhelming. He went to the Oakland A's, just signed with the Kansas City Royals a couple weeks ago. We talked about that on the podcast. In terms of the return, a good for the Rangers. Dane Dunning pitched for the White Sox last year. He was a highly touted prospect at one point, had a shoulder injury, I believe missed all of 2019, and his stock dropped a little bit, but debuted the same day that Casey Mize debuted and pitched some pretty good baseball both in that game and really throughout the season. I think he's going to be a solid major league pitcher, as critical as I've been of the Rangers and how they kind of fudged this whole, I won't say rebuild, but maybe minor reset, at least with the the pieces that they were given. I felt like they really had an opportunity to build build up their farm system by trading away Lynn and Miner when their stock was highest. They didn't necessarily do that, but they kind of save face here. I think Dane Dunning is a good acquisition, and ultimately, 
look, Lance Lynn's going to be with the White Sox for probably one year. He's going to be a free agent, I believe, at the end of 2021. So not a bad return if you're the Texas Rangers in terms of what it means for the White Sox. Uh, They're obviously in win-now mode, clearly, and, and I think it was that way last year as well. Very talented lineup. The question marks for that team are on the pitching staff. But with that said, I mean, this press release is, you know, it's PR for the team. But at the same time, it makes some good points. This is a team now with three of the top seven vote-getters in the American League Cy Young from a year ago. Now, of course, 60-game season, very fluky. Take it with a grain of salt. I've said that a million times. But Lance Lynn's a good pitcher. Lance Lynn has kind of revived himself over the last several years. I remember he pitched for the Twins and the Yankees in 2018 and did not look very good, but found it again in 2019 and 2020. Command was really, really excellent. And fastball, I think, even saw an uptick in velocity. His manager when his career started with the St. Louis Cardinals was Tony La Russa, so this is kind of a full circle moment for him. No, Keiko was excellent last year. I don't see him kind of repeating that success over a 162-game season. Giolito, I think he, I don't think he's even reached his ceiling. I thought he was very good at points last year. Obviously, threw a no-hitter, had a remarkable start in the postseason against the A's. I think he's going to be their, their number one guy going forward. So you have three guys right away that you can pencil in to that opening day slot in terms of who your, your five starters are going to be. And then probably Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. And that's where kind of the question marks lie. Dylan Cease has electric stuff, and his ERA last year was completely adequate, but walks a lot of batters. Command is very erratic. Whip was extremely high a season ago. He's still got a ways to go in his development. And Michael Kopech, who in 2017-2018, I was as high on as any pitcher in baseball, and I guess, I mean, I still am high on him, but, you know, had Tommy John in 2018 after looking pretty darn good in the limited sample size that we saw of him when he got called up to the major league level, missed all of 2019 with that injury, and last year, opposite it out because of the COVID stuff. So by the time Michael Kopech sees a major league field in 2021, he'll have gone almost two and a half years without pitching in a major league game. So you don't really know what to expect out of him. I think this is an understandable move, clearly, for a team that believes that they're going to have some depth in the rotation here pretty soon. They believe in Kopech. They believe in Cease. But they want to win in 2021. And for that reason, they added Lance Lynn. Can't knock him for it. I think it was a you know a, a pretty good move. Even if Dane Dunning turns out to be excellent, I, I don't think the White Sox are going to uh, cry over, over losing Dane Dunning, as good as he may end up being. You're in win-now mode. I, I think this is a deal that a team like that will make. Yeah, 10 times out of 10, quite frankly. The other move that the White Sox made was that they signed Adam Eaton to a one-year, $7 million deal with a team option for 2022. I believe the team option would be for $8.5 million. When I initially heard this news, I said, oh, okay, yeah, Adam Eaton played for the White Sox, had his best years, really, with the White Sox, received MVP votes in 2016. So I was like, okay, Eaton back with the White Sox. Yeah, he wasn't that good last year, but you guys know how I feel about all that stuff with the, pretty much every player, how they performed a season ago. It, it really, I, I don't put much st- stock into it. But I, I saw several White Sox fans and several people in the national media kind of berating this signing, and it made a little bit more sense the more I thought about it. I think the general conclusion seems to be that the White Sox are showing incredible cheapness, and you look at what Rick Hahn has done there so far. I'm not counting Tony La Russa, and I, I, I might talk about that here in a second, but that was a Reinsdorf hire. He's done such a great job 
with his trades. I mean, they have acquired some top-level talent in the trades. I mean, we're talking about when they traded Eaton for Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito, when they traded Chris Sale. I mean, they've gotten back some legitimate talent that is part of that core now, but their free agent signings have been suspect. Now, last year, I thought they had a very good offseason with Grandolf. I think that's probably the best signing that Rick Hahn has had in this rebuild so far, but Encarnacion was a disappointment for them. Uh, Steve Ciszek was a disappointment for them. Nomar Mazar, who they traded for was a disappointment for them. They have a lot of money. That's a big market team. I know the South Side may not have the glamour of the North Side of Chicago, but that's that that's still a big market. I think people are clamoring for them to really dish out the one of those big time contracts to get a Springer or to get a Jock Peterson. And Bob Nightingale reported that they were considering both of those guys until they settled on Adam Eaton. And the first the first response I saw to that tweet was somebody who said, "Oh, so they were considering good players and then settled on." Eaton. Ultimately, though, I don't see it being a contract that's going to cripple him. It's one year, but I guess putting myself in the mindset of, of a fan of that team, I guess you are kind of expecting more. But even so, that lineup is so talented, man. Like, I don't think they need that much more firepower. Like, yes, I'm, I, if I was a fan of that team, I would have loved to have, to have added Springer. I would have loved to have added Jock Peterson, two guys who can hit the ball out of the park at a hitter's park and guaranteed rate. I understand all that, but I think the biggest issues with that team outside of the manager, lie with their pitching. And they addressed it with Lance Lynn. They're going to need a little bit more. Their success will probably depend on how good Kopech and Cease look a year from now. We're going to find out what they're made of here in 2021. I understand the frustration behind the signing. I really do. I'm not saying it's some, they they knocked it out of the park, but that lineup has four or five future All-Stars on. So it's hard for me to say that Adam Eaton returning to Chicago is a bad deal. Will he contribute the way that Eloy Jimenez will contribute or Moncada or Abreu will contribute? No, but like, how about the names I just mentioned? That's three guys with like MVP potential, including one who just won an MVP in Jose Abreu in 2020. So I think offensively, the White Sox will be fine. It's, It's ownership and it's the development of their pitchers, which I think are very much up in the air right now. So that will do it for segment number one. When I come back, I'm going to talk about a signing that was made by the Kansas City Royals. They took a guy who I believe would have been a really good signing for the Detroit Tigers. Who was it? You probably already know right now, but I got to tease it anyway. I'll let you know in segment number two. We'll be right back. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up on Locked on Tigers later this week, we are in full swing with the winter meetings. A lot of news breaking. We're going to see some signings. We're going to see some big-time trades this week. Hopefully, dear God, hopefully, one or several of them involve the Detroit Tigers. We'll be talking about that in-depth on Locked on Tigers Monday through Friday, every day of the week here on the Locked on Podcasting Network. And we are back. Thank you for tuning in today. So as I teased at the end of segment number one, the Kansas City Royals made a splash. They signed first baseman Carlos Santana to a two-year, $17.5 million deal. 
this one is frustrating. Now, good for the Royals because I think that they just added a guy who sees the ball about as well as anybody. Yes, the average last year was not good, but gets on base almost more than anybody, I believe, led the American League in walks a season ago. Still a pretty solid player at the age of 34. Only a two-year deal. Not going to cripple him. If he performs for him, he could be excellent trade bait, especially with that added year. That's why I like those two-year deals. We've seen with the Tigers, we've seen in many other instances how poor the return for a guy like that can be if you trade him and it's only a one-year deal. With that added year of protection, he could be excellent trade bait or maybe he'll just play out those two years with the Royals and put up some good numbers. We'll see. This was one of the guys, I did a show about a month ago where I named off several players who I believe the Tigers will sign in the offseason. I made three predictions. I said Marwin Gonzalez, I said Carlos Santana, and I said Taewon Walker. Rumor is the Tigers have been hunting for Taewon Walker. Carlos Santana obviously now off the board, and it's very frustrating. This is a guy would have I think would have fit in a Tigers uniform. Am I devastated by this? I'm, I'm not by this signing alone, like isolated by itself. I'm not losing sleep because we didn't sign Carlos Santana, but it's the principle of it that kind of frustrates me because we've seen now the Royals sign Mike Miner, who I don't think is going to be anything great, but you know, that was a signing. We've seen them now dish out the money to bring in Carlos Santana. And once again, the Detroit Tigers are twiddling their thumbs. The Kansas City Royals, They've won a World Series, right? In 2015, they won it all. 2014, they were one Madison Bumgarner essentially away from winning the whole thing that year. That is not a team with money. I believe, and I could be wrong here, I believe the biggest contract they've handed out over the last, outside of Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon was the, the one exception. They dished out a ton of money to him. He's now retired. But in that era, when they won the World Series, I believe the biggest contract they handed out was to Kendry's Morales. And that was like a two-year, 20-something deal. I think Edison Volquez maybe had a two-year, $30 million deal. Bottom line, it wasn't a whole lot of money. This isn't a team that spends a whole lot of money, especially in comparison to the Tigers, who are insanely rich. And right now, as of December 9th, 2020, the Kansas City Royals are outspending the Detroit Tigers. Also, and I, I got to bring this up because I talked about it yesterday, but it still angers me. Uh, did the Royals, do they have fans in the stadium last year? Do they have fa- I always say stadium. Dang, dang it. In the ballpark last year. Do they have any fans? Did they lose revenue a year ago? They don't seem to have any problem. They're still spending money. They're signing free agents right now. And I, look, I don't know how these guys are going to perform, but right now, absolutely uh, if you ask me which roster is better, the Royals are a better team than the Tigers. Offensively with Soler, and I know Soler wasn't very good last year, but I, I think he'll bounce back. Merrifield, Carlos Santana, all three of those guys would be the best hitter on the Tigers right now. And if this was 2017 or 2018, I'd say, hey, well, all right, that's what the Tigers are trying to do. That's their plan. That's the, the course they've set themselves on. They're trying to lose. It's going to be 2021. And the Royals are outspending you. We know the White Sox are going to outspend them because the White Sox are in win-now mode. The Twins, despite being in a small market, are going to outspend the Tigers. The Indians, who don't spend money on anyone, have a higher payroll than the Tigers right now. That shouldn't happen. Period. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep banging this drum until the drum breaks because it's it's disgraceful what's going on right now. 
Prove me wrong. For the love of God, sign somebody. Sign a player. Hand out a solid contract. Because hypothetically, let's just say, and this is fantasy land right now, obviously, but let's say the Tigers sign Riamuso. That sends a much bigger message than just, we got a good player. The message it sends to me is that they believe in the future here. They believe in Hinch. They believe in the pitchers. They believe in the farm system to not sign anybody, to go through another offseason. And again, you know, we got a long ways to go. I'm sure they'll sign somebody. But like I said yesterday, I think the writing is starting to be on the wall in terms of what this team may look like next year. And it's going to be another non-competitive, dirt poor, cheap roster. And that's always frustrating, but it's even more frustrating when you see teams who started their rebuilds right around the time you did, like the Mariners, like the Royals, who are already dishing out more money despite the fact that you are a richer team than they are. It's it's horribly frustrating. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow me there or don't. I haven't tweeted in, I don't know, like, 10 days or something so you're welcome to though maybe i'll give you an update at some point but you can follow this show on twitter i would definitely recommend you do that at locked on tigers while you're at it go to apple Podcasts, go to itunes leave a written positive five-star review of this show let me know what you think i really appreciate it i'm doing the best i can to give you the best product that i can i will be right back here tomorrow hopefully with a little bit more baseball news i appreciate all of you listening i will see you tomorrow have a great rest of your day and go tigers